Well, Merry Christmas. Man, it's good to be here. I'll tell you, for those of you guys that have braved our, our, our treacherous weather of central California, we are glad that you, you are here. The feet of, there was no snow, I guess, just the, the fog. But no, we're stoked you're here. Great. If you're online with us today and you're worshiping online and gathered with your family or maybe watching this later, welcome. We are so glad. I want to give a big shout out to Judy Buttrick, by the way. Judy uh, is at home, I know, uh, today. So uh, Merry Christmas, special Merry Christmas. Uh, hockey game soon. We're, it's going to be coming, all right? Also, Dorothy Headley is normally sitting in the back. She's not here today. Wanted to wish you guys both a Merry Christmas at home. We love you guys. So uh, it's kind of unusual, isn't it, to be here on a Sunday, right? On Christmas Sunday. It's a strange thing. I guess it, it rotates like six years and then 11 years. Our next one, we don't do this again for 11 years. So it's kind of interesting, but it, it's, uh, it's definitely fun to, to be here. I can't think of anywhere more appropriate and more right for us to be than to be celebrating the birth of Christ, uh, of Christ here in the church together as family, right? Amen. Amen. So it's good stuff. So I've, uh, we, we've been in our, in our uh, Let Us Adore Him series, and we've been going through my favorite music, of course, Christmas carols. And um, today we, we have another one. And so I just want to throw out a name for you. The name is Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Can you imagine being like a, 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 a first grader and you're practicing cursive or whatever, you're practicing writing your name and you have to write out Henry Wadsworth Long. Say Wadsworth with me. Wadsworth. Isn't that great? Isn't that like Willy Wonka? Isn't that the guy that steals his stuff? It's why, that is a, just a, a classic epic name. Of course, it's from the 1800s. In fact, 1869 to be, spe, to be specific. And um, Henry, well, let me give you a picture. Let me just get a little visual here of what Henry looks like. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow is rocking the beard. He was way before his time. He was cutting edge, didn't realize. But Henry had quite a life that he lived and had a lot of different experiences that he had gone through that led him to write a poem that would become today's Christmas carol. Uh, and in fact, he was living during a time of great turmoil in our nation. He was alive during the Civil War. And as he watched the world tearing itself apart, as he watched war going on around him, he also had been experiencing personal losses in his own life. His wife, whose name was Fanny, would, that would make her Fanny Longfellow. So Fanny Longfellow, Fanny Wadsworth Longfellow would be epic, but it's not her name. Anyways, she actually caught fire in their house and he came over, I guess he came over and was trying to smother it with himself. He tried to smother her as she got on fire, but by the time uh, they put out the fire, it was too late and she passed away. So now here he is, he's a widow, six children, six children. When he gets the call and, and his son tells him, his oldest son says, Dad, I'm going to enlist. I, I want to fight. And he goes off to fight in the, as, as a member of the Union in the Civil War. Now, as a dad, now he's got six kids, one gone, fighting in this war. A wife, now a widow. Hey, now he's a widow. And uh, it, it, it turns out it was like the beginning of December. He's sitting down with his family having dinner when someone knocks on the door and in comes an army delivery man giving him a piece of letter 
a piece of letter, a letter saying that his son has been severely wounded. And the doctors, as they look at his son being severely wounded, they say, listen, he's probably facing paralysis. He's probably going to be paralyzed for the rest of his life if he lives at all. And in the midst of all of this, in the midst of all of this, Christmas is coming. And as Christmas comes, this 57-year-old widowed father of six, whose oldest son is wounded from the Civil War, on Christmas Day in 1863, he sits down at a table and he begins to write. He begins to write from his heart what he's seeing what he's feeling, and to try to reconcile what he's seeing and feeling with what he knows and believes as he writes these lyrics. And as we go through these lyrics today, I want you to listen just to the dissonance that goes on between his heart and his mind here, because this is how it goes. This is how the song goes. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and mild and sweet their songs repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It's interesting, as he starts off this, this song, it's, it's like the bells are singing out the, these choruses. It's like they're singing out peace on earth, goodwill towards men. It is this beautiful picture of Christmas morning, isn't it? As we're reminded about what Christ came to do. It's the very core of the Christmas story. In fact, it comes out of, out of Luke chapter 2, verse 14, where, where the angel has just told them what has happened, and then the host joins with them and sings glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill to men. He pulls it right out of Luke 2 here. And puts it in the middle of this chorus. And it's beautiful, isn't it? But then I want you to listen as the song progresses. As he wrestles with what's coming up next. Because the next verse says, And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth. And goodwill towards men. You can feel the despair, can't you? You can sense it. There's, there's no peace. He's looking out at a, at a country that is divided where, where sons are being gunned down in war, the most bloodiest war we've ever been a part of. His son being a part of that. He's looking over at the chair that is empty where his wife used to sit. And he looks at the faces of his children who now he is dad and mom too. And he feels the weight. Christmas, these bells, and you can feel the despair. Hate is strong. There is no peace. Can you relate with this? Have there been moments maybe this last year that you've sat and you've thought to yourself, there's no peace. There's no peace on this earth. I don't know if anybody did any shopping this last week, but if you were around some of the Walmart areas or the Kohl's area, just trying to find, I mean, you can see it in people's eyes, right? There's a desperation in the shopping. It's like a man, all, it's all, all you're, I don't know what the phrase is. I'm lost in the phrase. It's all, it's all you, man, every man for himself. That's the phrase. 
by January 1st, I will nail this, I promise. So it's like it's every man for themselves, and they're just going for it, and there's no peace. It's like this, this, this scavenger hunt. I've got to find. I'm on this quest. I must get it. I was in the grocery store, and, and I had Kim Chamberlain was like, Brent, 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 and I'm shopping. I'm on a mission. I've got seven things that I've got to get that my wife has told me you need to bring these home. And I must get these, and I'm on it. And it took her like, she's, I've been calling your name for like a minute over there, and you're not paying attention. Why? Because I'm focused. <laughs> but if you look at it out in the world, if you look at what, be, what we've been through in our social climate, our country is in a very similar state. There's division. It, it seems at moments when, like, hate is out there just mocking this idea that there could be peace on earth, unrealistic expectation. It's interesting. There are moments when we've experienced this. You can see it. You listen to the news. Just pay attention to what's going on around us. And it's easy to feel like hate's just mocking this idea of peace and goodwill. It's funny because it reminds me of, of, of the prophet Jeremiah when he's looking out at the devastation, at the destruction of Jerusalem. They, they had been searching for this promised land. They had been, been promised this land by God and they had made it there and they, they'd made an absolute mess of it. They decided they wanted their own kings and so they had their own kings and God went from being their king like he is intended to be to something else and one by one as they disobeyed as sin infiltrated as there was brokenness and they just abandoned God and in the process war they were destroyed and as he sat and he looked at Jerusalem in shambles as he looked at his people going off in to Babylon in captivity he sat and he's like he laments Writes a whole book, Lamentations. And there's a verse that he goes in there. And he's looking at this. Is, this is, what has happened? But then he says, but then there's something I have in mind. There's something I have in mind. And therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not overcome. And you know what? As we progress this, he doesn't leave this song here. Longfellow doesn't end there. He has another verse that he wants to add. And I love this verse the most. Then rang the bells more loud and deep. The tone of the bells has changed. There's a determination that's in the middle of it. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail. The right prevail with peace on earth. Goodwill towards men. There's this sense of like deep resolve within Longfellow as he is sitting and writing this. And as he's looking at his family, as he's looking at his son, as he's looking at the empty chairs, as he's looking at the state of the world, as he's looking at the despair, there's this resolve in him that says, yeah, but I know my God. I know the true message that those bells, that those carols, that this season brings with it. I know this and therefore have hope. God's not dead. God's not asleep. And it's easy for us to look at times, right? Even over this last year, over the last two years, last three years, it's easy to look and go, God, what are you, 
What are you doing? Are are you gone? Are you dead? Are you asleep? Are you not paying attention to what's happening here? But as we understand and know who he is and what Jesus came in this earth to do, it changes everything, doesn't it? Wrong will not win. Right will prevail. Do you understand that? Do you know that? Do you have that kind of confidence in God this morning? Because it's easy to look at what's happening out there. It's easy to happen to see what, what culture is doing. It's easy to see what has now gone from being wrong to being right. And it's easy to look at that and get despair. Unless... You keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Unless you know who he is and what he's about. God is greater than anything. And there's this resolve in the midst of this wrong will not win. But instead right will prevail with what? Peace on earth and goodwill to men. Peace is available. Remember, we talked about this a few weeks back, what peace means. Peace is not just the absence of conflict. It's in the midst of conflict, there's this confidence. In the midst of chaos, there's a a security and a confidence, understanding who God is and that we've built our lives on that firm foundation. And even though everything may be swirling around us, we hold firm. Because the rock is holding us and will not shift and give way. And it changes the way that we live our life. Remember, we talked about peace not being just this emotion that can come and go. But remember, we talked about peace, this shalom, being this wholeness. That Jesus comes to make us whole. He comes to make us complete, to Fix that which we can't to take care of sin so that we can be in right relationship and stand firm in the midst of it all. The miracle of Christmas is that God wrapped himself in flesh and entered into our messy, broken world. I loved that video last night where he's out in the stalls and it's a mess. We're a mess. And sometimes our mess overwhelms us, right? Keeps us up at night. Gives us anxiety. Makes us worry and fret. Jesus doesn't look at our mess and go, ooh, yeah, that's too much. I'm not sure what to do with that. Good luck. No, no, no. He says, I love you so much. I'm going to come down in your midst. And I'm going to live that perfect, blameless life. I'm going to show you what it looks like to live out true love, what it looks like to have peace in the midst of the storm. I'm going to show you where joy is going to come from. I'm going to show you how much I love you as I go to the cross for you. So that as you believe in me, you too can experience that peace, that hope, that joy that love in your life. This 
is what Jesus came to do. He came into our broken world to bring us that wholeness. What's interesting is before Jesus' birth, Isaiah actually wrote about Jesus and what he was going to do, who he'd be, what he'd be considered. In fact, considering our Christmas carol today, it's very appropriate. And most of the time when we read this passage, we actually go to the, the back half of it, and we like that. It talks about who Jesus is. But I think the ones before it really resonate for us today. As Isaiah writes, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Oh man, we live in a world right now where darkness is everywhere. Jesus is still the light. They've seen a great light. And for those living in a land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressors. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. Why? For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end, as it says in the, in the New American Standard, it says there will be no end to the increase of his government or the increase of his peace. Nothing can stop this peace that comes from Christ entering into our worlds, into our lives. Isaiah's already talking about how the fact that the battle won. Sin, defeated. I love that. You have shattered the yoke. Think about this. This is the calm. You have shattered the yoke of the burdens, the, the burdens and the bar across the back, the rod of their oppressor. That is the work of the enemy. That is the work of Satan. That is the one who wants to steal, kill, and destroy and to tell us that, that real life is found in all these superficial things that will lead to emptiness. Sin, go for it. But he says, that which oppresses, oh, it holds no power. The enemy has no more power because, why? Because of Jesus, because a child is born, because Jesus enters into our world, it changes everything. The Prince of Peace brings peace to earth. Christ enables us to be able to experience the peace and spread goodwill and kindness and love to a world that desperately needs it. The band's going to come out and we're going to play a, another song here in a second. But I don't know whether you're at home with us today or you're here in this room. I don't know where Christmas finds you today. I don't know if, if this has been the most amazing, joy-filled Christmas ever, or you're just ready for it to be over with. Can we please move on? Can we please stop talking about these things? Because all it does is remind me of what I don't have. I don't know where you're at, but can I tell you this? Here's some good news that is going to bring great joy to all people, including you and me today.
when we receive Jesus, when he becomes the center of our lives, when we lay down and let go, as Pastor Kevin talked about last night, as we let go of ourselves and our own will, and we let go and we allow Jesus to rule in our lives, when you receive that, these four candles come to life. We receive a hope in a world that's peddling hopelessness. We receive joy that is immovable, that isn't just happiness, but a deep contentment. We receive peace. A peace that passes understanding that the world will look at and go, how in the world can you have peace in the midst of that? Jesus. When Jesus enters in our life, we receive love. Not the love that the world's throwing around, not the love that you're going to see in any movie, but the love of a father who is willing to send his one and only son on earth so that if we would believe in him, we would not perish, but we could experience and have eternal life. It's Christmas. It's the story. Today as we pray and then the band's up here, I can't think of anything more worth celebrating than Jesus entering into our world and bringing with him the greatest gift ever, himself and all that comes with it. Today I want to pray. If you're at home, pray with me as well. Today, if you're sitting here and you're like, I don't have hope. <laughs> Joy is in short demand. I'm anything but peaceful. And I don't even know what real love is. If you have not received Jesus, today, just pray. He came for you because you matter. Your life matters. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. He knows every hair on your head. He knows what you're going through today. And he came to be with us and to bring us life, real life, to the fullest. If you've not received him, oh, the greatest gift is waiting for you right here. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. <laughs> that you would love us so much, that while we were still sinners, you loved us so much that you would send your son on that Christmas to be here and enter into our mess. And so, Lord, today, we recognize that we need you. We, we've searched what the world has to offer, and, and it keeps leaving us wanting. Everything is just counterfeit. And Lord, while the sales pitch of this, this world is so convincing, only you satisfy. Only you bring real life. Nothing else. So God, we confess our sin, our brokenness, and our need for you. <coughs> Thank you not only for entering into our world, but living that perfect life, becoming the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world as you went to the cross for us. and then rose from the grave the third day 
Oh, I'm already looking forward to that celebration coming in a few months. Oh, we get to celebrate. It is so good because those words of the prophet Isaiah are true. So Lord, we receive you into our heart. We receive you into our lives. We ask, Lord, that you would lead us and guide us and fill us with all that we need. In your name we pray. Amen.